Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. I mean, what would a morning be if I do not greet you guys at least twice? Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. You are a beautiful bunch. It's lovely to see you. Um, you know that we've been talking, and today will probably be the last time that we'll officially talk about the funds that we are raising for things that we want to improve. We're not going to belabor this thing. If you want to contribute towards that, put it into the building fund account. There's a list of things if you want to know how we've ranked them of importance. Some more good news is um, you will see at the bottom we put up a cell phone tower. And we got back pay for when they started breaking ground. So we had enough money to give the go-ahead to start with improving our kids' bathrooms. Um, so we, we needed 32,000. We've already got 25 towards that. So the bathrooms will be improved and the security somebody came and said they they can give us a printer we can see if it works so god gives um and and may we pray that his life will always be in in what we pursue in this body cool proverbs 9 you guys still reading proverbs it's a good habit so now proverbs 9 has got one of the most famous proverb verses anybody want to guess which one I'll give you a hint, fear of the, of the Lord. So it's in verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. But what I felt when I read 9 that stood out to me is actually verse 6. Oh, I, I love how the, the writer puts it. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. May we be a people who leave our simple ways. <laughs> And walk in his insight. That's your Proverbs 9. Beautiful proverb. If you haven't read it, make some time today and just read it. It's beautiful. What book are we busy with? Habakkuk. Habs. Thanks, Jermaine. So, you know, Zephaniah, three chapters. We did three weeks on that. Habakkuk, three chapters. We're going to do two, two weeks on that. Just because we don't want to create patterns and and formulas. Um, no, not really. We're just wrapping it up today. But Habakkuk, written about 6, 1615 before Christ. I told you guys last week that it is written by Habakkuk by his own confession. He says, I am the writer of it. He wrote it just before the Babylonians came and took Judah into exile. And when they became the dominant force of the known world in that area. So the Assyrians used to rule by intimidation, Babylonians by indoctrination, and uh, they used to show you the wealth and what they can do and got you that way. I told you last week that it is the 35th book of the Bible, and Zephaniah is the 36th book of the Bible. But Zephaniah, that is the history that's recorded in Zephaniah, is before Habakkuk. So it's one of the times when you are confronted with chronology that is out of sync with placement in the Bible. So on a linear timeline, Zephaniah preceded Habakkuk. But in the Bible, it's placed before. A couple of lessons we learned last year, last week. Can you remember them? Okay, now, not what I preached on. Not about the oracle and the weight of the word that is our responsibility, the burden of the word that should lead us into a life of prayer. There were two lessons I held out. Lesson number one, 
I said to you, Habakkuk is a beautiful book about a conversation between man and his God. And how Habakkuk goes to God in sincerity and humility and vulnerability and says, Lord, I'm upset with you. How can you allow the wicked to, to prevail? And the righteous go punished and the wicked stay unpunished. And then God comes and answers him and says, don't stress, my son, I've got this. Vengeance is mine. Vindication is mine. I will take care of this. And he says to him, I will exact punishment on those people that punished you, but I will exact discipline on my nation that refuses to submit themselves to me. And lesson number one, last week I said, we might not all be prophets that bring direction to nations, but we're all able to hear the voice of our God and speak to him. He's interested in your dialogue. Lesson number two was simply, may what you say be quotable. Can you remember? That anybody... Make something uh, that was, or say something that was quotable in the past week. Don't be shy. You know how quickly it is? Just quote the Bible. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with an everlasting love. But let's go to Habakkuk. So this morning, we're going to look at Habakkuk's name. And then we're going to look at a couple of lessons that we learn from this prophet that is considered by the scholars of this world as a minor prophet. I'm going to say it again. If you can hear the voice of God for a nation, you are not minor in my eyes. And I'm saying to you, you are sitting here, able to hear the voice of God for your family, for your community, for your workplace, and ultimately for our country. But this prophet, his name means clasp. And embrace. If you've been uh, to a couple of services where I had the privilege of sharing the word, you will know that Marlise and I have quite an interest in the meaning of names. I would have told you that my name means God is gracious and a gift from God, and that I believe I am a gift to my wife and to my children. If you come to the office during the week, you will find Mama Joe and Felicia call me Mpo because it means gift. You, you see in the Bible how God takes significant changes and he says your name will no longer be this, your name will be this. And in that there is a shift of destiny and purpose that occurs. We have pursued God in, in the best way we thought possible for the names of our children that will describe what God has installed for them, but also the character that God wants to birth in them. So, so, so names mean a lot to us as a family. Habakkuk, clasp and embrace. His name, you know that clasp is not a word that we, we use often nowadays. Eh? I mean, maybe if you're a jeweler, you will use it. Clasp, the setting that holds the jewel, that positions it so that it optimally refracts the light and brings out the beauty of that which is held. A clasp. But for the rest of us, you can understand it better when I say you come to grab something, you grip something, you hold something tightly, you fold something, interlacing your fingers, clasping, embrace, coming and, and, and holding you tightly 
And, and I love how the Web, Webster Dictionary says that it is, it is with affection when you embrace something. So what is this, this name tangent that I'm on this morning? It is the preamble to what I want to share this morning. Because I think Habakkuk, as a person, he, he, he got it. That there were certain things that he had to clasp and grab, hold tightly, put on display, embrace, enfold with affection. I used to fly a lot between the provinces um, when I was still with, with Standard Bank. And I, I don't like flying. It's not that I'm scared. I just find it an utter waste of my time. <laughs> Sitting at that airport waiting, it, it really, I, it's, I'm working on the fruit of the Spirit in terms of patience. But th- then when we, we were in Cape Town, Marlisa and I used to fly with, we only had two then, hey. First Grace and then Jude. We would fly between um, Cape Town and Joburg. And your, a Durban flight is just long enough for babies to fly. A Cape Town flight is, is just not. Halfway through, yo, they get unhappy. So I got this little plan. I took my ring off. Can still come off, don't worry. And I would clasp it in my hand. And I would convince Grace that this is worth looking. By virtue of me having something in my hand, I occupied her full attention for 40 minutes. She would take one finger at a time and open my hand with all of her strength and eventually. She would have my ring. And she would place it back in my hand. And then I would quietly slip it out and put it in my other hand. And we would play this game of me clasping something of value and her having to pursue it and fight for it and get it out of my hand. Habakkuk grasped this. He got it. That in God, there's something worth pursuing that is clasped and held by God that you can go after. And he opens it up and okay, well, he puts it on your finger. Clasp. When something is precious, it's, it's worth holding and it is worth pursuing. Somebody finds a treasure in a field, they sell everything they have to buy the field to look for it. It's worth pursuing. Let's go into three things that I feel Habakkuk teaches us from his life that he clasped, that he embraced. The first thing, Habakkuk 2, verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Lovely piece of scripture here because he says, I can complain, but I cannot settle in my complaint. I need to find out what the actual truth is about the situation. You get that when you read it? It's beautiful. Watchman. He got that he had to be a watchman. He had to hold on to this thing of being a watchman in himself, the stature of a watchman. If you were here a couple of months ago, I I mentioned it in one of my messages. I said a watchman stands on guard. 
A watchman is the first line of defense. A watchman is the one that raises the alarm that says, hold up, enemy approaching, enemy approaching. Can we get reinforcements? Archers, take your station. Watchman has got a position and a role to play. Watchman is also the one that probably gets killed first because he's the first line. There has to be a degree of courage, bravery. And I told you in that message that a watchman has a different task. Can anybody remember? They were also the ones who had the joyful task of announcing the return of the king and the master. They were the ones that kept lookout to say, is, is that, is that, there's, there's dust, there, there are horses possibly, it is return of the master. Okay guys, we are safe, the master is here. Habakkuk grasped this. So the first thing that he, he grasped in who he was was a watchman. Under that, he said that I will take my stand. Point number one under point number one. one. 1.1. You will take a stand. If you do not take a stand for something, you will fall for everything. It's not my quote. Please don't reference me or give me credit. Do you know what you stand for? Your current circumstances, like Duan said, for such a time as this. The second one, 1 1.2, you will station yourself on the tower. You know that I will have a very different effect on you if I chose to sit on this stage and speak. Or if I start marching up and down. I will create anxiety in you by just doing this. I mean, some of you are going to think I'm full of the stage. Others of you will just be riled up by my actions. You, your, your, your position, your physical stature has something to do with, with how you see yourself. You will station yourself on your tower. Once you know what you stand for, will you position yourself and say, this is what I stand for? The word of God is my highest authority. Well, what about this little contentious issue? And everything in you will say, well, yeah, maybe I should just agree because I, I won't want to lose the relationship. Station yourself on your tower. 1.3. Look out to see what he will say to me. It is okay to have an opinion. It is better to know what God is saying about something. And then the last one, I will answer concerning my complaint. It is okay to have a complaint. God is comfortable with you coming to him and saying, God, I just don't know anymore. I don't know where we're heading. I do not understand how you can allow this. And God answers and says, it's okay, I hear you, but hear me. This is what I have to say about your complaint. You know what Hab's got? He understood that it was more important to have conversation with God than to hear only good news. It is more important for us as a people to have a dialogue with our creator 
than it is to just have a good opinion and hear him only say the good news. He wants to converse with us. He wants to talk to us. Point number two. The next thing that, that Habakkuk glossed and grasped and got and understood was being a person of vision and envisioning other people. Habakkuk 2, the, the next verses, 2 to 3. Oh, and the Lord answered me. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets. If anybody knocks you because you're reading your Bible on your phone or your tablet, Habakkuk 2 verse 2. You are safe. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow... Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Vision. Now, guys, I'm sure that there's an interpretation of this, which is just Habakkuk writing down what he has heard from God. The people are going to come in and they're going to annihilate the Assyrians and they're going to take us into exile and they're going to be the power. That's it. But there's a further thing that he said here. Write down his vision. Write down God's vision. And, and I'm not a person of gimmicks. But I'm going to tell you, write down the vision that God has for you. Revisit the words that he has spoken over your future. Over your purpose. Over what he wants you to do. What he has made you good at. Well, Lisa and I have this, this habit of the first of January, I can't say the 1st of January. But in January, we don't do New Year's resolutions. We write down the plans that God has for us for 12 months, for three years, for six years. You know the years, we have skipped a few, guys. Uh, um, we, sometimes we just missed it. And come June, we're saying, but what, what, are, what are our plans for the year? And we regret. So, But there is something of having written it down. You know that those things that we have written down, God has honored us in that. It is as if we have given God to say, Lord, these are, these are our plans. Will you either breathe life on it or, or bring other plans? The other thing that we have done, we've had it written down so that it can keep us accountable. We share it with our friends. Guys, this year we really want to do this, this, and this. And they can say, oh, that seems like a good plan. Um, We'll keep you to account on that. He was a person of vision. He understood that when God has said something, it is worth pursuing. It is aiming for. It is standing for. But the other thing that he did is he took it and he gave it to the people. And he said, be envisioned. You know, when you share what God has said for your life, it gives other people hope and inspire them. God says to you, you are my beloved, and, and in you, I want to restore the heart of the Father to the sons. And you can say to somebody, this is what God has, has said to me. You inspire that person to the first to say, I also want to hear this. I also want to hear the heart of my Father. I also want to be restored. I wonder what He's saying to me. 
Because if you understand God's vision, you will naturally envision others to pursue Him. At this point, I have to ask myself, do you guys understand where we as a church, as a body, where we are heading? Do you understand that when we say to know Jesus, to be known by Him, to make Him known, that that is a vision to pursue Him in everything? Do you have it burning in your heart? Do you pursue that on your own when you are partnering with us? Do you understand that our mandate is for His love to reach our communities? Okay, cool. For those that are nodding, I thank you. It means our vision is clear. We will continually refer to this so that we know the direction that we are heading. If you join us, As a family, you're joining his vision. You can hold us to account. The third thing that I felt that Habakkuk got. Let me just keep it short. I called it expressions about God. Point number three. And and under that 3.1 is he understood that you had to express truth. Not opinion, truth. Not a good idea. Truth. Habakkuk 3 verse 2. Oh Lord, I have heard the reports of you and your work. Oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. He states the facts about God. This is what you have said. This is who you are. You've got the power to revive it. You've got the power to exact wrath. But you have the power, God, to exact mercy. Are you a proclaimer of the truth? The next thing that he expressed about God was praise. And when you look at praise, can you look at it as being filled with wonder and awe about Creator God? About the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity The oneness in in three expressions. The one, who, and the three, what? How can you express it? Are you filled with wonder and awe? When I say to you, what what is it about God that you love? Can you just say, I love His everlasting mercy. I love His, His, that He's faithful to the end. I love that He's all powerful, but that He is, He's controlled, that He is patient and that his love never ends. Do you as a natural thing express praise about God in God? And can you do it when it's not so comfortable to do it? When the situation dictates something else? When the n- next agency downgrades you to junk status? We learn from Habakkuk. We're allowed to complain. But we learn from him that you express praise of God despite the circumstances. 3.3. This is probably the most famous part. Expression about God 
in rejoicing in Him no matter what. Why don't you open your Bible if you haven't already. Habakkuk 3 verse 17. You all there? Let's read it together. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places for the choir master with stringed instruments. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He makes my feet like the deer's and he makes me tread on my high places. No matter what, we learn from Habakkuk to rejoice in God always. Always. Last week we stood and we prayed together. It's not a new habit that we are forming. It is us taking God as his word that says if my people will humble themselves, Seek my face. Hear my voice. I will heal their land. Can you stand as a watchman today? Can you stand as a visionary that knows that despite bad circumstances, we still see him as our primary vision? One of my friends posted on Facebook, I have a president, but I have a king. Can you stand as somebody that, that knows that his truth is what stands. His praise is what changes the situation. And that we are called to rejoice no matter what. So this morning, come we stand. We form little groups again. Five to six in a group. And this morning, we're not just seeking God for our country. We are rejoicing in God for our country. You might say, what am I saying? I'm saying instead of saying, oh Lord, please heal our land. Can we change it to, oh God, thank you that you are able and willing to heal our land. Instead of saying, God, please upgrade us to, to better status, saying, God, thank you that you bring wisdom. We rejoice in your wisdom that will see the fruits of us being upgraded again. Rejoice for a few minutes in God over our country.